It's the year-end sale at Mattress Firm. Come in and save up to $400 on America's best-selling brands, like a Beautyrest Queen mattress now just $4.99. You can also take home a free adjustable base with qualifying mattress purchase. Visit mattressfirm.com or a store near you to find your perfect bed today. These deals won't last, so hurry in. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Offer available while supplies last. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. All right, what's up, guys? What's going on? Welcome to the Taz Show. I am Taz. Ah, oh, blast in the past, but not a blast in the past. Blast it's the current. Uh, not a throwback snack, not a snow throwback chat, but a current, brand new, spanking new chat with my old friend Mike Johnson from PW Insider. That'll be in this episode. You guys are going to dig it. I'm serious. Uh, thanks for downloading this at radio.com, guys, on the app or the website. Much appreciated. Maybe you're downloading it at Apple Podcast. If you're doing that, that's a big thank you also. So um, much love, as we say. Yes, much love. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, also, I did an interview, which I rarely do. Um, you know, I did one with the Bill Apter gimmick a while back. And then I also just did one with the What Culture. You know, what Culture, UK Jones, the people, my lovely fans. I love the fans across the pond. And, um, yes, What Culture. So I don't know when it's dropping. If it dropped yet, I fucking don't have a clue. But um, I had a long chat with the guys over there, and it was good. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, I, I normally don't do interviews because I talk all the time uh, for a living. But uh, coincidentally enough, it's been like back-to-back City Jones. Beep! So I've been like, you know, uh, doing a lot of that. Uh, a lot of, in, uh, But I'm done. I'm done with the interviews unless someone comes a-calling that uh, I like or respect. Otherwise, no, I'm not doing it anymore. Um, this Mike Johnson chat's going to be great. You guys are going to love it, man. I'm telling you, we're going to get into a lot of stuff. Uh, Mike, for those that are new to the show, he was a – every Tuesday, Mike would be on when I had video and everything. He'd be on – Every Tuesday, like clockwork, when I was five days a week, the Taz show. And Mike's uh, one of the more credible, the most credible reporter you're going to find in the industry uh, that's been covering the business for decades and does a great job. Uh, and the guys over at PW Insider do a great job. So Mike and I, we're going to shoot the shit uh, about uh, Raw, a little bit about that, and, uh, maybe a little super show stuff. Uh, he gets his thoughts on that or whatever. And uh, also catch up with Mike, see what he's been up to. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked if there's an ECW story or two. Because Mike covered ECW back in the day while I was a wrestler there. And um, he also was a fan of the product. So going way back. So I'm sure we'll get into some ECW chatter. That's what happens a lot of times when Mike and I start talking. So uh, so that's the deal. So uh, look, let me tell you guys, you know the routine here. Okay, this is a very, very simple gimmick. You know, my uh, my friends uh, over at Rocket Mortgage by Quick Loans, the Taz Show, well, supported by Rocket Mortgage by Quick Loans, and they're introducing their all-new rate shield approval. If you're in a market to buy a home, well, Quicken Loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. How cool is that? So to get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash TAZ. 
That's a rocketmortgage.com slash T-A-Z. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchases transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. NMLS consumer access dot org number 3030. Uh, Rocket Mortgage by a uh, Quicken Loans, as we say, yes. So, so that's the deal. Look, uh, we're going to have a nice, long, meaty chat. Mike Johnson and yours truly coming up. Sit tight, jobbers. All right, everybody. We are back here on the Taz Show. And, uh, well, someone that's been part of a whole bunch of Taz Show episodes on a regular basis. With uh, video, he was Skype City Jones. He was doing everything. He was all over the place. He's always part of the Taz Show. But there's a reason why and it's not Mike's fault. I guess I just said who's coming on the show. Mike Johnson, as you know, because I said on the front end. You can't surprise anyone anymore, Mike. What's going on? Good moment, Taz. How you doing? Oh, so nice to hear a good moment again. Yes, yes. Uh, it's good, bro. Uh, yeah, no, I, like, so, you know, I, so we're not getting into too much details, Mike. You, you know this already. So for those that don't know, I have have a, basically they set me up with this fancy little gimmick, and it wasn't compatible what Mike Johnson has in his crazy audio wrestling world that he does. And that's not Mike's fault. That's Taz's fault and everybody at Entercom and CBS. How about that? So, Mike, welcome to the show. That's good. I am going to uh, send you the invoice for the brand new laptop I bought so I can do the show with you. So just let me know where to send it, and I will, I'm will. i sure it's in Red Hook somewhere. Yes, I owe you probably about $6,000, and the truck is in Canarsie. That's what I'm going to tell have you. You undervalued, sir. Undervalued. <laughs> the truck is so, in Canarsie. <laughs> you heard that, right? Uh, I, um, that's an old so, school reference right there. Absolutely. If people like in Des Moines, Iowa, like, where the hell is Canarsie? What about this truck? Um, <laughs> no. So before you're wrong, so you saw an old friend of mine who worked for WWE, Raphael, right? Yeah, I saw Raphael Morphy at the uh, the MLW TV taping a couple of days ago. I guess about a week or so now, and you and I were kind of talking back and forth in the uh, the texting machine about setting up doing this. And I said, "Oh, Raphael says hello," and you were like, "Tell Raphael it's in the book." And I told him, and he nearly dropped everything he was holding and started laughing. I can't so. tell you what that means. No one knows. That's a Raphael Taz thing. And uh, so, for those that don't know, Raphael worked for WWE for a long time. How long, Mike? Would you say? Oh God, probably about a decade in the live events department and promotions and. He worked for the Mets before that, I think, right? That's right. He did. Yes, you're correct. He worked for the Mets. He worked for a minor league baseball team before the Mets. Then he worked for the Mets for quite some time. And then WWE um, saw him and pulled him out of there. They did. And uh, is he not the nicest dude in the world? I mean, he's, he's a great guy. Yeah. He's, he, really he, does a lot, guy he does a lot of promotions now. He works with Jim Ross, who you, know, Ross, we, yes. you and I both love JR. Yep, and he works. He does. He promotes concerts like Hall & Oates and Kiss and stuff in Connecticut. He, he's, a, he's a busy guy working as a promoter, uh, not just for wrestling and doing live event stuff, but doing other other stuff for his own company. Good man. You know, I appreciate anybody who kind of works because, you know, I've spent a lot of hours creating content and, and working. So anybody who creates their own content and works hard to produce something themselves, I have a lot of respect for the work ethic involved because I understand what it's like working a 30. I haven't done it in a long time, but I know what it's like working 36 hours because you're the only one that can handle it and get it done the way that you envision it to be. It's not easy. It really isn't. Well, thank you for the comment, Mike. Um, yes. So. You're welcome. You put me over, I think, right? Oh, you do a great job. I think you put me over, Raphael. Who you put me over? Put me over, Raphael. Who you putting over? I'm putting you both over. 
Not a boy. Uh, no, Raphael, it's funny you said I about Jim Ross. Here. I know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, mama didn't raise no fool. Um, no, so it's funny about Raphael, and you mentioned JR, you know, Jim Ross. And I don't know, geez, uh, how long ago it was, maybe eight, nine months ago, whatever the hell it was, I don't remember. And JR was going to come on my show again. You know, he's been on mine a bunch, and I've been on his podcast, right? But, and. I, you know, whoever, whatever producer I had at that moment, which has been five zillion, um, sends me a text like, uh, dude, uh, some dude named Raphael, uh, you know, is uh, talking about JR uh, coming on the show and sending me all this information on some promotion stuff. I'm like, what are you talking about, Raphael? Raphael Morphy? He goes, yeah. I go, what are you talking about with JR? He goes, well, I didn't know that Raph at that time was basically working as a publicity guy i guess for lack of better terms a marketing guy for jim ross I'm like why wouldn't i said the text jr i said why wouldn't you tell me like what like what are you, you you're like big leaguing me and you're like ah oh, nah, that didn't go down like that not that no nah, that wasn't and it was a little bit and what happened was roth is just such a workaholic and he just went through the gamut of what jr had to do and i said to jr damn I, I'd love to steal Raphael from you. Ah, oh, no, that ain't happening. You know, so you know, Jay, not you happening, know, pal. Not happening, pal. No, but anyway, it was funny. But yeah, no, I, so anyway, I, so, I like that guy. He, he works hard, and, and he, he does, listen. He works for a lot of different promotions, and he does a lot of different clients. That I guess they're clients for him now. And when he's there, I know when I walk in. If I have a question, all I have to do is like, "Hey, Raphael, can I get you for a second? No problems. You need to set up. If I if I have a question about what time to be there, a question about what the what, what, what sort of uh, facilities will be there for me if I need to bring, yep. you know, my own equipment, if I need to bring extension cords, whatever. Dude knows everything off the top of his head. And that, that's, <laughs> well, that's an important guy. It's very true. And during his time in WWE, Raphael, when he worked, you know, behind the scenes in what, what public relations or me, whatever it was dealing with. So for fans that don't realize that, you know, he was one of the several people that worked there. It was about five guys. And maybe four guys, and I will name them in a second, and they were all awesome. A couple of them still work for WWE, meaning that they deal with the talent. If you're doing an appearance someplace or whatever, radio show, whatever it may be, they just deal with you. Or if you're going to throw a first pitch out of the baseball game, whatever it is. And and the talent, the wrestlers actually become very good friends with these people that work for the company. And Raphael is one of those guys. So I, I know you'll know some of these names I'll spit out. Adam Hopkins, who still works for WWE, is just a class act, a, a true pro. Joe Villa, same thing. A guy named John Porco. Now, I don't know if John still works for WWE or not. I don't know if you know that name or not. I don't know that name. I'm not sure if he's still there, but he might be. He was just an amazing guy, super guy. Another guy like that. And, and, and of course, Raphael. These guys were all like a machine. Now, Mark Carano, everybody knows that name, right? So he obviously got star a big promotion. Star of Total Divas. Yeah, he's always a big star, too. Yeah, yeah he's a big well, if I got to be careful. So um, anyway, if you want that SmackDown 1000 invitation, you better be careful. Yeah, I don't know. People think I'm going to be there. I have a question speaking of that. Well, by the way, Mark Carano worked with those guys before he got the promotion a while back. But anyway, <clears throat> speaking of SmackDown 1000, all this, so I, I mean, I caught a good chunk of Raw, which you and I will talk about a little bit here. But, dude, why was I? And I appreciate all the fans that tweeted me. I was getting hit with nonstop tweets last night about and WWE was tagged or Stephanie McMahon or Triple H. Taz should be at SmackDown 1000. Him and Michael Cole should be. Co- 
did, was there something like mentioned? I thought like they put like a poll up. Should Taz be there? I know they didn't do that. No, That'd I don't think fun. so. But they did run like a video of like different moments from over the SmackDown years. And certainly I heard your voice and Michael Cole's voice from some of those clips. Oh, so it might have just been the Taz Nation sort of grabbed the the uh, the batons and the, and, and the bayonets and decided, let's, do, let's get Taz in there. We over nation, you know how they are. Uh, mm-hmm. They are over, over nation. The Good Moment Crew was the other name for them. So they, yeah, and and one guy, yeah, he's he didn't he wasn't following me on Twitter. I get a tweet from this guy without naming names, and it was one of the earlier tweets. It's like, I don't know if you're dead or alive, but you should be at the SmackDown 1000. The guy had no idea, like I'm still like alive or like you know, that you know you get that sometimes. So <laughs> I feel funny story. I remember when I first I might have told this a while back on the show. I remember when I first went to TNA. You know, I don't know how long my non-compete was. It was probably, I don't know, 90 days. What was it? 60? I don't remember when I left WWE. I can't remember. You might remember. I don't know. And I go to do the TVs in Orlando. So it was like my second groups of TVs at Universal in Orlando for TNA, right, Mike? So mm-hmm. I'm in the airport in Orlando, and this guy's going crazy. Oh, my God, Taz, I'm a huge fan of yours. Oh, my God, I love your commentary. da 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 da, da. You know, and, and he's like, you know. Dude, you know, uh, you know, why are you not on SmackDown? Meanwhile, I've been on TNA probably like a, a month with the TVs. He said, what happened? You're not on SmackDown no more. I go, no, I left WWE like a long, like a lot months, months ago. And we're in Orlando. We're in Orlando outside the airport. The guy worked at a rent-a-car place. So he, you got to assume he lives in Orlando, right? He's working at the airport in Orlando. He says, so what are you doing now? I said, well, I work for TNA Wrestling, you know, for TNA when we shoot TV at Universal. He goes, TN what? I go, <laughs> he hit me with the TN what? I'm like, have a good day, sir. Thank you. Can we get a picture? Yeah, you can get a picture. See you later. Bye-bye. Good moment. Right, good moment, sir. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Enjoy the 5,000 degrees with the humidity. Uh, I'll be on my merry way to Universal in my air-conditioned trailer. Um, so anyway, to sit with Mike Tanay as we rip everyone for three hours backstage. So... Uh, that's all another story. So uh, what's been going on before we get rolling in the world of PW Insider Elite? Everything's going on with you. You're all over the place. You're at conventions. Uh, please. Uh, you're very good at plugging things. Plug away. <laughs> you want me to plug now? All right. No, no, no. you got to save the plug. People wait oh. for the plug. But you could talk about anything you want. To, you know, just let's just shoot the shit. That's yeah, all, basically. That, I mean, I've been real busy with the site, obviously. You know, always chasing stories, trying to create as much content as possible. Uh now that like the summer's over and I get a chance to catch my breath from running around with family and stuff, kind of been diving in, doing a lot more interviews on the site. We had a bunch of people from Impact. We're going to have uh, Austin Aries on uh, this week and a couple of people right. from Ring of Honor on last week. Uh, I'm going to have Guy Evans, who wrote a really great book on the history of Turner Broadcasting owning WCW. Oh, I've never um, heard that person's name, but that sounds like a good yeah, read. The book just came out. He interviewed like 20 or 30 former Turner executives. Oh, so wow. it's like it's all about the business of WCW and the rise and fall of Nitro from the Turner side. Ooh, the, re- cool. the wrestling aspect is part of it, but the business side is – and he's a New York guy too, so if you want me to hook you up with him, I will. So you can talk to him if you want. Um, yeah. But it's it, it a really fascinating book, and there were a lot of things that even I didn't know. And like you, I lived through that whole era. I was fascinated by a lot of it. So, you know, listen, I got the best job in the world. I get to wake up, write about wrestling, talk to wrestlers, interview wrestlers. And basically, um, I have a boss technically, but the, the, the rule is don't get sued and you're fine. And, you know, for 15 but years you know, now, it hasn't happened. <laughs> you realize <laughs> one, you realize that you do comment that you have the greatest job in the world. And I'm happy for you. And I think that's awesome. And I think most fans do. But you have to realize, Mike. 
that many people don't have that happiness at their workplace. Many people want to take their boss and bang their fucking heads against a brick wall. So maybe when they hear your jocularity and happiness, they get annoyed at you. I I'm hope not. I'm different. not trying to remind them of how happy I am versus how happy they may not be. And certainly, let me assure you, having worked for Dave Sheriff for 15 years full time, there have been many a times I've wanted to put his head through a wall. Yes, um, and I'm sure he'll him. say the same about me. Yes, he is a heel. He can. He's very oh, good at he's being totally a heel. a heel. I know that. I know him a long time. Most and you know that man I ever met in my life. <laughs> But you know what? He's always had my back, and nah, and there and he's defended me to people who you know were like ah Johnson blah 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 you know so yeah. I respect that and he's given me the freedom to kind of really find myself and and do what I do on the site and I'm very lucky yeah, for yeah. that. A lot of people no, like kind of right. put their thumb down on you, be like no, this is how it's got to be. There's never been and I and I mean this. There's never been. Don't write about this person. Don't write about this promotion. What are you doing? Why are you wasting time on this? He just trusts me to do what I need to do. Well, you said the word I wanted to say with trust. Yeah. He, he does. That's, that's years of working together, having a relationship and doing business together. That's and that's trust. And he has that for you for sure. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, you know, I'm in a I'm, a I'm in a lucky position. You know, very few people get to do what I do. Very few people get to do it and make a living, and very few people get to do it really at their at their leisure. You know, if something comes up and there's an emergency, I can pause, deal with what I need to deal with, and come back to, to come back to work later. You know, there's certain things that have to well, be done that, every day. That's true, but that, a lot a lot of people can do what you do and do what you do. Either they don't do it for a living, one, and they do it like a shithead, and you don't do that, and no, nobody that PW so you guys do your research and know how you are, and you'll get your right sources. You you have your perfect protocol and structure that you use to utilize to give the audience to give your audience and your fan base the people that purchased pw you know insider elite you know and and you know to give them their their, their money's worth not only that but make sure it's no bullshit you're not a copy paste site for anybody that's because i've been getting a, lately which is cool a lot of newer fans they did like a little focus group i'm getting a newer wrestling a uh, swarm of wrestling fans that have been downloading the podcast of my you know three days a week of the Taz show so i want you know some people that's the other reason why i think it's awesome that you're coming on we do a little backstory so people get to know you you know so because you're always such a huge part of my content you know for so long so uh, but there are a lot of people that cover wrestling, as you know, and I know how you are. You don't, you're not the type to sit, which I like, I respect, to bash any, in air quotes, you know, competition or whatever you want to call it. But you guys are not a copy-paste site, which maybe put that, explain that to the casual fan that might be listening when I say that about wrestling sites and news sites. Okay, so again, I, again I'm not going to knock anybody because they all, they're all going to no, do no, what they're going to do. No, don't do that. Let's right, say, right. all right, so great, great point here great example here in november i guess it was 2014 i think sting came to wwe for the first time debuted at survivor series right. we found out about it a couple of days before i had chased the story down and i kind of heard some rumblings i got it from a source that i trusted but you kind of need a second source to, to corroborate or else you know it's just flailing away in the wind and maybe you're right maybe you're not but you don't want to put yourself out there and be wrong so i finally got the second source I remember I was out to dinner with family and I walked out of the restaurant on my phone. I wrote up like three quick paragraphs and I went, all right, here we go. We're going to take the leap. I broke the story. Sting is going to debut this weekend at Survivor Series. I know for sure it's going to happen. Blah, 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 blah. It's the biggest. It's the last big name from WCW. Hold on, let, me, let me interrupt you. Isn't that something like you're out to dinner with family? But I bet you it is. You could probably name a million times where you're sitting around your home office and you got nothing. You're like, ah, just, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Always. <laughs> it either rains or it's dry. It, it, no I mean. one, then dinner, here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I was going to a family reunion the day Eddie Guerrero passed away and I had to get out of the car and take a cab back to, to, to my apartment. 
apartment at the time. And I blew off a whole family reunion because I knew this was a terrible story and it was a major story. And I could not just, you know, I couldn't just ignore it for a day. So like, you know, well, that shows your dedication to the industry, yeah. which for those that don't know, he's highly Mike Johnson, highly dedicated to the industry. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> it's like, hard, you know, but, it, you know, sometimes you keep, the timing is never going to. That's the thing. Like, I always have to say, you know, I joke like, oh, the news doesn't sleep, you know, like sometimes. And it was good. You know, it was good for me, especially when I was younger. I was a bad insomni- insomniac. So I'd be up all night working on stuff. So but like, you never know, like, you know, my worst fear is turning that phone off and waking up and missing some major story. I have that fear right. every day. Yeah, I, I'm sure. So I break the sting story. I go back to dinner by the t- and, and I think we had put it up like for our elite subscribers first, which for those who don't know, we have an ad free version of the site with all this audio content, blah, 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 blah. So and you can subscribe to it. See, the blah, 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 folks, means at the end of this chat him and I are having, he's going to plug it hard as shit. Probably, That's what that most meant. likely. I think I think you just spoiled the conversation. So I go to dinner. I'm at dinner with my family. I come back. I said, you know what? Let me look. And I hit Twitter. And I type Sting. And, of course, it's on all these sites now. Mm. And so, basically, that entire five or six days of chasing down the story and, and, and calling people and making sure with two sources, someone else saw what we had reported. And 10 seconds later, they either they highlighted it and copy and pasted it or rewrote it. And suddenly, it was out there, not just for uh, for our subscribers, but for everybody, and in some cases they credited us, and in many cases they did not, because that's how it works. So, uh, well, you know, it's credit, an unfortunate right, thing. Me if I'm wrong, Mike, that's usually just a that's a, a an unwritten code. Like you should do the right thing and credit the source. Yeah. Like so, if as I am by blah 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 blah. Yeah, if I'm broken. the Taz Wrestling site and and I copy paste things, I should say, well, from Mike Johnson at PW Insider, he said stains in the debut, yada yada. Yeah. But some of them don't do that. No, and, and to be fair, there's been times that I've chased a story and I've broken it, and it turns out like I'll find out an hour later that somebody had it a half hour, an hour before me, you and I'll know. go, "Ooh, that sucks," and I'll go back in and you know I'll add a line and say, or say, "Hey, we were not aware of ABC, and this person broke it before us, and we just want to acknowledge right. that," you know, because whether you like it or not, and whether your ego gets bruised or not, it is the right thing to do, you know. So you yes, kind of got to yes. do it. It is. And, you know, we have that sometimes like, you know, myself and Mark Malusis doing the Taz and the Moose, right? Our sports show. So it's tough sometimes. We know we should, we do our best job, our producer does too, to credit wherever we, there's a story. But sometimes if it's a competitor and it's certainly competitors change, it's kind of hard with legalese, with big sports coverage media business that we can't believe it or not um it's with radio it's a little weird like we're sometimes we're putting those weird spots not a lot but it does happen different with wrestling co- you know content you know but um that's not fun sometimes but you know um because if your competitor you know breaks a story you know you, you know you, 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 the right thing is you're right you should say something you should put them over you know mm-hmm. but uh but anyway enough of that so i just wanted people to know that <clears throat> maybe we're newer um to my content and weren't too familiar with pw insider or yourself but i can show you guys there'll be a hard plug coming um so mike yes sir. uh i caught i was <laughs> i caught right so i caught summer raw um i saw oh by the way before i how would you think of the super show i, I i'm sure i know you did some content on it i didn't get a chance to hear it i apologize uh just yet but uh, give me a quick uh what, what were your thoughts on on the big show they did i, love, there I, the I thought it was you know it was it was a solid show 
I like the six-man tag with the shield against Dolph Ziggler and, and, and Braun and everybody. I love the cruiserweight match with Buddy Murphy ascending to the to the top yeah, of the that, that ended up being one of my favorite things. Him winning yeah. the hometown boy. I didn't think he would win. I, I didn't I, I I thought that was awesome. Yeah, and it was the right place. And I mean, if you're Buddy Murphy, you know, who for a long time you were kind of forgotten about in NXT and hadn't been brought up, you come up to 205 Live and you you have really good matches every time you're showcased, and then you go in front of 70,000 of your countrymen and win the title. I mean, it doesn't get better better than that. That's what you dream right. of if you're one of the Iconics, too. Those two girls, I'm yeah. happy for them. The Iconics. No yeah, they kind of got lost in the shuffle when they were brought up to SmackDown in the beginning, which was a real shame because I think they're so talented. And mm, I think talented. their personalities they are great. Insanely talented girls. Both of them, but really good in the ring, awesome on the mic. Talk about heat getters. I mean, they, they know how to get some heat. And it was nice to see them get get in their home. You know, they get put over like that at the Super Show. Yeah, and I mean, I, I know fans like fans get mad when some talents aren't always utilized. You, you know this because you've been in the locker room. It's a it's a competitive place, yeah. but not everybody gets pushed at the same time, you know, yep. and not every, there's only there's only so many slots in the top of the t- card. And you can only get you and only so many talents can be there. So, you know, obviously it's all subjective and everybody has their favorites. But, you know. Right now, a lot of people are really happy that Becky Lynch is getting that big push and that she's in a yep. mix finally, which she yep. deserves. Yep. And I agree. I, but there's been some kind of resentment to the, the the iconics not being used more, and I get it. But I'm also like, they just started there. If the, if they just started and you put them right at the top of the card, then when they start to come down the card, they have nowhere left for them to go. So you know, I I, I'm, I have no problem with not pushing people to the top right away as long as they're in the mix. And I feel like finally they're in the mix where before they weren't. That bothered me a little bit. I'm excited about them being used. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is though, like, and I agree with everything you said. But the thing is, <clears throat> there's so much programming, as everybody knows, and you know, and I know that WWE has, and there is more than enough, you know, slices of the pie to give the talent. Yeah. Um, and I do think with people like the Iconist, they could have, and, and it's nice to see they do a little bit better job with them. And a lot of it, Mike, and I know you know this, a lot of fans might not know this, you know, because you have so many sources and wrestlers you've talked over the years and front office people over the years. You know, you know as well as I. Now, I've witnessed it in locker rooms for a long time, in production meetings, in agent meetings, right? So, you know, if a guy or a girl, I'm not saying this about the Iconics, I'm just saying for shits and giggles here for the conversation, if a guy or a girl, wrestler, uh, has any kind of heat backstage or ticked off the wrong person backstage, that can, use the term earlier, joking around about Dave Shearer or whatever, that can put a thumb down on that talent. I've witnessed it. I might have experienced it a little bit um, in WWE, but when you experience, and that's why I said I put a qualifier on it, I said I might have. Because when it happens a lot of times, a lot of times you don't know. <laughs> and it's not like there's a bulletin board. All right, uh, Joe Blow has heat, so we're going to have him do jobs. Or we're not going to put him on TV. Or we're going to tell him to stay home for a month. A lot of times, unless it's something that you did that everybody knows, if you have any kind of heat, you don't know it. And that's the worst kind of heat because you're like, what the fuck, you know? And I know you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. And, and the worst part is, especially when you're first coming into a locker room, Unless a veteran pulls you pulls you aside and says, "Hey, here's the deal," each locker room is different, and there's different etiquette, and there's the different hierarchy of who's the locker room leader, where do you sit, who do you sit next to, who do you speak to, who eats first. Like especially in WWE, there's all these unwritten rules. It's it's very oh, yeah. you know of all <laughs> things, it's very similar to Broadway to Broadway. Where Absolutely. 
If someone has a private lock dressing room in Broadway, you don't just walk in there unannounced. You don't just come in there and sit down and converse with them. And you, who's getting their makeup done first? It's probably the stars, not the people who are the backup dancers. So there's all these little nuances and rules that you may that you may not know that you have to kind of figure out and navigate yourself. Or someone has to pull you aside and say, "Listen, this is how it's done." And that there, listen, when I first time I went backstage at the ECW locker room, which as you know, everyone took their job real seriously there. And, well, you know, funny. If I said anything, wrong, everybody, if I thought, the wrong everybody way, thought I knew that it. it was just everybody thought it was just fucking mayhem. It was a bunch of guys just getting drunk and fucking having a party, and that's not what it was. Yeah, the first time I was in that locker room, trust me, I was, I was, I was pooping bricks in my pants, trying not to look the wrong way. I knew better, you know. Well, I didn't give you that. I, I no, had, you were I always good whole... to me. I, I, I can never say anything bad about you. There were others who used to give me crap. It was never you, though. You were always well, the rest of the locker room will say shit about me, but that's okay. I still love all of them men. Uh, but um, anyway. Um, <laughs> until they, until they uh, need to come on your show, then, oh, Taz, we love you, brother. This is a story. Uh, so, no, but th- here's the thing. that You said, though, you're exactly right about there is a pecking order. You got to be careful where you sit. Bah, bah, bah. It, it does sound crazy, but it's the truth. It happened to me when I, fir- when I first came over. When I first came into – before I came over, I should say – Dude, I think I told the story out on one of the shows I've done in the past here and recent past. I, I reached out to two different people that were on the WWE roster without naming names. I said, okay, give me the load down here, bro. What's the deal with the locker room? I want to know. You know, who who who's who's kind of the head honcho of the locker room? What's the do's and don'ts? Let me know. Give me some, you know, and and both guys, I went to two different sources, two different wrestlers, and I got the same story. So I knew there was truth. <laughs> and uh, you know, it it it's important. And if you now I when I went into I don't know how long I was probably in the business a little bit over 10 years wrestling uh, when I went to WWE. So I was a veteran. So I knew what I was doing, you know, but a lot of younger talent that just comes into the business. They don't know that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I I think it's easier now for talents coming in because they're brought in through the NXT system. So there's yeah. kind of an awareness and there are people that they know from the NXT system who are there. And I also think a lot of the guys who kind of relished the wrestler court or that's being gone. the guys it's to kind gone. of put their thumb down on others. Yeah, that generation's kind of moved on. And yeah, that was my generation. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's a different, <laughs> I think it's a little easier for guys now, although there are still locker room leaders who will step up, you know, Roman Reigns and Miz and other guys who will kind of say, this is the deal versus, you know, and you shouldn't do this. There are guys who, who kind of lead that locker room the way that others did. I just think some of the, I don't want to say hazing because that sounds like a really evil word, but I think yeah. some some of the guys who kind of were like, well, this is how it's going to be. Okay, we're going to teach him a lesson. That's sort of gone, and it's more of a more of like a, a, le- a team leadership thing where like, hey, this is what we need you to be. This is how we need you to act. You know, I would think from what I understand, it's better now. It's evolved. It's the way it should be. They're a public company. They're a huge billion-dollar organization. It, it can't be – the you know good old boy wrestling type feel the way and i've been part of many of those type lives i'm not trying to be derogatory i'm being honest um and, and not just in wwe i've been in you know i know and i look i mean you know i was a veteran that for a good time towards the end in that ecw locker room and guys like myself or shane douglas or sabu and you know we you know it's just it's just the way the business was then that's the way talent was then. It wasn't, and you're right, hazing is an ugly word. And I, you know, it wasn't like that. You know, it just was, it was a, uh, you couldn't, you didn't, if you were going to fucking act like an idiot, you, there was going to be a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was that simple. <laughs> so you had to, you know, not that you had to walk around a locker room, on, you know, on eggshells, but 
you know, you couldn't if you were, the, you know, the greener you were, the, the more chill you had to be. I mean, it was really that simple. And, and then so you really earned your stripes in the locker room. Then once that ECW locker room embraced you, you were embraced. And that's the truth. Yeah. Funny story I'll tell you is, you know, everybody always reinforces you better shake everybody's hand when you come in a locker room. So I went to there's a company, there's a digital platform called Cheddar, and they they asked me to come in. They were doing a digital video, like a short 10 minute thing on the first WrestleMania, and they needed somebody that knew history about wrestling. So I came in. There's all these people in there in in this in the studio room where they're going to film. Hey, how are you? How are you? How are you? How are you? So. I do my thing. They interview me for like an hour. They use like maybe three minutes of it, if even that. When they're done, you know, they're showing me around. Hey, how are you? How are you? How are you? I go back to the room where they filmed me. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. So apparently when I left, there was a comment made about what's wrong with that guy. All he did was shake everybody's hands. <laughs> but it's so ingrained in me from being around wrestling. <laughs> no, that's funny, though. <laughs> so, yeah. So they must have thought I was some wackadoodle. So and maybe they're right. This guy just loves to shake people's hands. Yes, He's so. not. So, uh. Mike Johnson, weirdo. But anyway, yeah, no, it's just, you're right. It is a wrestling thing. And, geez, I, when I broke in, you couldn't, like, it was a whole handshake thing. And you, if you shook, this sounds crazy, but if you shook anyone's hand too tight, then it was like this, you know, well, oh, he's stiff in the ring. Mm-hmm. That means he's stiff in the ring. That means, And guys were walking around for a couple of years, like, shaking hands with their fingertips. And then it got to be a joke, like, a couple of years later. I bet guys would do it, like, as a joke. Hey, brother, hey, brother. And just, like, kind of touch each other's index finger. Like, it, uh, that shows that you're light. So if I shake your hand very light, that means I won't go in the ring and hit you with a clothes on across the fucking side of your ear and cauliflower your ear. You know, but. That's bullshit. So, you know, I used to shake everyone's hand very light, and I, and I worked very snug. But I just the handshake thing was kind of like an indication for the. It started with the two generations before my generation, where it was like, well, if a guy comes locker room and shakes your hand like your your old man maybe taught you, shake your hand like a man when you shake another man's hand, that type of thing, that machismo thing. And if you did that in wrestling, when I came up, you were like, oh, that guy's a crowbar, that guy's fucking stiff, you know, which is kind of ridiculous, but. And you know what's funny is when I handshake, that's what I thought about. Yeah, and what's funny now is when I run into people in the street and I go to shake their hands and they grab my hand hard, I'm like, gee, what the like because again, you try to you know, you try to be polite in wrestling terminology. And then outside of the world, you're like, wait, what what are you doing? Squeezing my hand here, buddy. (laughs) Happens all the time to me when I'm outside of the pro wrestling circles. Well, speaking of my generation, let's talk about four guys from my generation. Uh, DX, Kane, Undertaker, right? So uh, they shot the angle. They, sh- they cut the prone base with Shawn Michaels, right? Yeah, Last they, night. They made it clear DX is back and they're going to wrestle under. Undertaker and Kane didn't officially accept, quote unquote, but we know it's going to happen. Well, yeah, if you look, as you and I record this now, uh, I, I noticed that the WWE on Twitter, uh, their official Twitter at WWE, their little avatar is the DX logo. I guess so. I guess they attacked it and, and graffitied all over their social media. That's yeah, it's nineteen and ninety seven again. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it's yeah, it, yeah. I guess they did a they graffitied it in Stanford. Yeah, um, but anyways, uh, yeah. So I don't know. Look, I I think it's 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 all geared towards Saudi Arabia towards Crown Jewel. Right. Yeah, it's good. So they want that 1990s feel. That's what they want. That's probably why they've got Kurt Angle back on the show as well. It's all about, right. you know, that sort of that sort of nostalgia. Listen, when they did that first show back in April, the Greatest Royal Rumble, the, the right. government of Saudi Arabia, they wanted Hulk Hogan. 
They yeah. asked about yeah. guys who were no longer alive. Like, hey, can you bring these guys in? Because they didn't know any better. And, you know, that was one of the reasons why they had, like, the sumo guy in the Royal Rumble. Because they kind of asked about, hey, can we get a guy like, you know, can we get Yokozuna? They didn't know he had passed away. So, you know, yeah. the nostalgia factor there, because obviously they never, you know, whatever they got was from a certain time period on television. Yeah. That's yeah. what they want. So they're paying WWE a lot of money. And WWE is going to deliver. And sure, certainly, you know, it, it's got to be a lot of money to get Shawn Michaels to come back to the ring because he's oh, turned yeah. down. Yeah. He's turned down. He was the, they originally envisioned the one pitch was for him to come back and beat Undertaker at WrestleMania in New Orleans and end the streak at WrestleMania 30, which, of course, eventually mm. Brock did. Shawn's talked yeah. about that publicly. Um, you know, they, they kind of pitched him coming back to wrestle AG Styles at one point, And Shawn had always turned all this stuff down. The amount of money they have to be paying him has to be ridiculous. So good yeah. for him. I know. Well, he works right. He works. He work, you know, that's Triple uh, Triple H is his buddy, and, and uh, he, works he works for the company. At, so in the performance center and stuff. So yeah, but working in the performance, as you know, working for the company as an agent or uh, a commentator or a, uh, a trainer is totally different than being asked to get in the ring and wrestle again. That's a, and that's why I get what you're saying because I. Lived it I, as a commentator where Vince himself asked me more than once. He wanted me to work with Brock at the Garden. I'm like, ah, no. And I didn't want it. He's like, what are you, crazy? Uh, you're a smart guy. You didn't. Even, you, you said no before you even know how much money I'm going to pay you. I'm like, Vince, it's not about the money. Uh, I just I can't do it. I he goes, you and Brock are boys. I go, I know, we're friends, but, I, you know, I, 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 it's not happening. And he was cool. But so, so Sean's doing it. I'm getting a feeling Sean was off more than I was off. I'm, but, I'm, um, I'm, I would probably gander that's or I should probably wager, I should say. I'd wager I that's I correct. I think for this, for sure. But um, anyway, uh, so the whole Crown Jewel thing, like you're saying, with Saudi Arabia, like coming off of the Australia big uh, super-duper gimmick show. Like, so WWE, they've always made, as you know, you know, millions of dollars internationally, you know, outside of, uh, you know, the continental, you know, United States or maybe Canada or whatever, you know, Puerto Rico, whatever. And it seems like now they they've always pride themselves. I've heard it. I know it. I felt it. The audience heard it. But even way back years ago, like they want to be global. They, they want to be known as global. Like really be known as global. Like work globally. Like really, the world titles are legitimate world world titles, and they are. Um, even though it's a work, so I feel like. Mike, it's almost out. Now, you do more research on the finance end or maybe uh, that the company's making money on. I, I, I don't get delve into that or and the international business and all that stuff. It's, it seemed like, I mean, look, their bread and butter is always the TV contracts in the United States and obviously the network now. But it seems like they're pulling more money in internationally now than they had maybe in the past. Yes, no? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were paid by Australia, I think the tourism board, to bring that show there. And they were, they're being paid by the Saudi Arabian government. The kingdom of Saudi Arabia is paying them to put on these shows. So they're making tons of money off of this. And obviously, Saudi Arabia has a big political reason. They want more pop culture events. They want more uh, American-style events to kind of bring awareness to their country. And there's a lot of money to be made if you're willing, if you're willing to do business with them, which WWE obviously is. Um, you know, their number one revenue source, is, especially now with the new TV deals, is the television rights. Uh, live events is uh, live events probably makes them more than the network does, although the network is slowly but surely catching up. Uh, but, you know, the, the number one thing will always be the television rights, especially now. Mike, what number, do you know the number, bro? Well, I'm sorry to interrupt you. What number? Because I forget to ask you otherwise. What um, roughly, unless you know the number, the hard number, the subscription, what's their subscription base right now? How many? I think it's right around two million. It might be a little above or a little oh, below. Wow. 
that's great. That's that's good for them. That's that was okay. their target that number much. for a long time. Like they have wanted to get there for a long time, and I think they're either right under it or they they're just a little over it. I mean, there's always that churn of people who subscribe and then they let it lapse, or they come back for a big yeah. show and then they let it lapse. You know, I yep, mean, the yep. key, the secret to success for that thing and really any subscription service is get these people to pay for it, and and whether they're watching it or not, continue to pay for it. Like you know, that that's that's oh, the yeah. key there. Well, they, and it is, and you gotta you gotta keep providing content, new content, especially with a subscription base, fresh, good content. And WWE, to their credit, does that. I mean, they do that with massive live events that they're spending millions and millions of dollars. That's why I got to be honest. Like, some t- things now, I know I understand what the elite, what you guys do. It's a little different because you're giving, that's really, you know, that's news. That's a lot of. Uh, a lot of opinion-based content, a lot of, yeah. lot of, a lot of audio, like running down shows and a lot of, a lot of interviews. And I mean, that's, you know, that's our. That's you know that's one of our two major revenue sources. The other one is obviously advertising on the the free version of the site, but the elite side is really that's our bread and butter. Like you know that they're the of ones course. that allow us to really thrive, live and thrive. Right, of course. But you know it's and the the thing is like I don't know you know without naming name I know I I know of some folks that with wrestling content that are charging a certain amount of dollars per month for content and it's uh, where wwe's price is just a little north of what some of these folks are charging which is ridiculous because i gotta be honest with you and uh you know i i don't work for wwe i'm not waving their flag sometimes i do sometimes i don't but i gotta say i'll wave their flag on this you know for for 10 bucks a month you're getting a fucking lots of bang for your buck i can assure you that so some guys are, um, you know, they're they're doing, you know, I, I you know, I, it's I don't I don't like to, I'm just saying like people got to be you can't they just you can't be greedy. I'm not I mean like these some of these other folks like with the subscription stuff. So when you say the word subscription, that kind of gets me. I don't even want to talk about it because I get, I've been no because I've been through the company you know several and I've talked about this publicly where I've been offered to do my content as subscription base and I I. You know, and the company wanted to keep it free because it started off free. And I still, you know what I mean? So it's like I I see some folks. Now, you guys give a legit content and you're giving legit, not just opinions, not just not just interviews. You guys, are, you're selling yourself short. You're giving news. You're giving news. You're hearing. You have legitimate sources. I, I you know, you know what I mean? You, you, you really, you, that, that's, you're getting a lot of that on your elite side. Yeah, I get it. So. Yeah, uh, you I don't know, mean to sell myself some, short. I was waiting for the big plug. No, 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 no. It's okay. No, be careful with the word short. Okay. So anyway, you're um, taller than me. What are you talking about? You're damn right I am. That's why I like you. <laughs> so, so I'm not exactly towering over you, but yeah, I might have a little bit on you. So I'll right, get a look, pair so, of rollerblades. I'll be over you. <laughs> yeah, I'll get a skateboard. There you go. No, you use skateboards. Now they got those friggin'. I saw a guy in Manhattan yesterday. I get in there early. This fucking guy, he's rolling around on. It wasn't um not the what do they call those boards that people were crashing? They were going on fire. Not that thing. Something better than that. Huh. What was that thing? Remember the kids were buying a couple years ago? It was like a hot. Yeah, and then they were going on fire when they were charging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of places ban them. Can't even take them on airplanes now. Dude, this one guy I see him all the time. Big jacked up dude. He must work at a gym or something. He's going to work in the morning. He's on this thing. Dude, it's got these big ass wheels on it. It looks like a skateboard on steroids with a fucking motor. Wow. It is the coolest thing. It's like, 
you know, and I don't know why we got into talking about this, but anyway, I just wanted to share that with the audience. So quickly digressing back. So DX versus Kane and Undertaker Crown Jewel. Mm-hmm. All right. So we saw the promo cut yesterday, and like you, we just talked a lot about about that with Shawn Michaels. Um, do you happen to know or did you hear was Sean resistant in a way? Like, cause he, like you said, he never really wanted to come Initially back. he, you know, I, I can't speak about how he was in, in recent history, but initially he was like never coming back. And he'd even released a book a couple of years ago, I think in 2013 or 2014 called wrestling with my life, which was about the end of his career and the aftermath. And he wrote in the book, if you see me back in the ring, it means I made bad financial decisions and I need to do this for my family. But since in recent times, you know, let's say the last year or two, once he got into the WWE system and started working with the company again on a full time basis, he was a lot more uh, open to the idea. And he had even done some interviews where he said, yeah, you know what, if I do it, uh, they have to make everybody realize that I can't be the guy I was six, eight years ago. I'm not that guy anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm older. Right. And, you know, I, if I do it, it'll probably be a tag so I can treat team with Hunter and have some fun with it. And obviously that's exactly what they're doing. And, you know, I think yeah. it's going to be more of the nostalgia show than, hey, Sean's going to go out there and try and have the best match of all time. And I don't think yeah, he no, needs to try and do that. He's an attraction. Triple H is an attraction. Kane, I'm sorry, Undertaker is an attraction. And Kane has become an attraction now. So, and you're right. It, if 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 Saudi Arabia, if if the if the government there and they want those nostalgic acts, then they're gonna get it. They're gonna get some big names here. So uh then also we saw on the Raw, I'm not again, we're not gonna go through the whole thing, Mike. We talked about this prior. Just uh, you know, Kevin Owens versus Lashley. I thought they had a good match, by the way. And I, I like Lashley uh heel Jones. I like the heel thing. Um I, I like Hype Man, what's his name? Leo Rush. Yeah, Leo Rush. He's the kid who had the heat, right? He had a little heat. heat. He was first trained in M- by uh, MCW Maryland. Yeah, in Maryland. He was at ROH for, for a second, and then yeah, they brought yeah, him yeah. into developmental. Yeah, he he's really good. He's very brash. He's always had a lot of charisma. But, you know, yeah, no, talking funny. about etiquette earlier, I think he just kind of had needed to figure out a way to navigate yeah. himself. He tweeted something. I don't remember what it was. And I remember I tweeted at him, and then, like, he, we have a mutual friend, and then – He's like, oh, dude, I didn't mean to piss him off. I got a bunch of people pissed at me, you know, guys that were, that, you know. And I, I, you know, I can't remember who it was, it was about. about he took a shot at Emma. Had, Emma, Emma, Emma had been released, and in her last appearance, she had wrestled Asuka. And he yeah. said something like, see, I told you you couldn't handle Asuka. This is what happens when you get in a room yeah, with Asuka. Yeah. And he obviously yeah. was just trying to put over Asuka, and, but just the timing of it was really, really bad on his part. It was just, it was not smart. But I will tell you, I don't know the kid. I think I might have met him once, but I'll tell you, I, I promise you this, working for the WWE, working close enough with Vince for as long as I did and knowing Stephanie and knowing Hunter and, and a lot of those people there, um, I promise you that Leo Rush uh, you know, changed his ways per se and, and learned his lesson. I know that, not that I was told that. I don't need to be told that, but because they're putting him on, on the big show or on TV or with a guy like Lashley, that shows you he learned his lesson. Because they're not going to give you an so, opportunity if they think you're going to screw it up again. Uh, but anyway, so Leo, um, I got to say, uh, he he definitely does a hell of a job. Him, he and Lashley, when I like, I get, I understand the look of it because he's such a smaller guy and Lashley's such a huge guy. I get that. I understand that. When I first <laughs> when I first read about them, him being like a manager, a hype man for Bobby. I'm like, okay. And then when I saw it, I was like, all right, I get it. It's kind of, you know, I got it. Little guy, huge guy, got it. You know, 
this has been done in not just wrestling but in tv and movies and you know forever uh it always works i mean you know um but watching closely last night and hearing leo's voice and letting him get on the mic sometimes while kevin uh, while kevin and uh and and last were working it was really annoying and that's by design and he's got an annoying voice and he looks annoying and that's called a heel so mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's like a throwback it reminds me almost like remember uh you know when when you know when he was downtown bruno you know oh, what yeah, i'm talking of course. about right? yeah, bruno lauer aka harvey Whipman. that's Harvey Whitman. That's that's what it remind it remind me of the downtown Bruno character in Memphis more than more than Harvey Whitman. You know what I mean? Um, that's what it kind of reminds me of, kind of without the southern feel, you know. But the little annoying guy that you just and you know one day soon he's going to get bumped and it's going to be money. Yeah, and it's gonna be and I just hope they wait on bumping him. Don't, yeah, don't bump him right away. You know so. Uh, it works, and they, they, you know we basically saw the heel turn by Lashley there. So, uh, which I think Bobby needed this. Yeah. I do. I really think Bobby needed. This. You know, you were there when Bobby was a villain in Impact, and he was the yes, world sir. champion there. And he had yep. great matches with Austin Aries and Jeff Hardy and all these other guys. And there was a side of him as just a physical monster that he had never shown in professional wrestling before. And so I hope that WWE can kind of seize on a similar sort of characterization and presentation for him, because the one thing, you know, if there is one weakness in in what Bobby Lashley does, it was always his promos. So having Leo talk for him and having him be the monster behind Leo, I mean, that to me, that on paper, that's a recipe for success right there. Absolutely. I look, I, I, and you know, he's young Leo, which is good. And that's what WWE is. They got to stay as young as possible. I have to say, um, I do think that, look, I, my time in working with Bob, Bobby and I are friends. We're still friends. And I know, I, you know, it's when I was more in the business, you know, working for the TNA or whatever, you know, I, I've been, we've talked, I've been approached and about managing Bobby and stuff like that. Look, because I do think that if it's a more veteran feel, legitimate guy from the business i'm not saying me somebody if they were ma- an older guy managing a bobby lashley i think would be money but this is better than i thought i like i like the hype man character i like how the commentary is being handled on it i i i i wasn't crazy about the look because it's like i said it's it's a layup it's too it's too obvious the little guy big guy thing but watching it and hearing leo it, he's annoying as shit and I mean that in a complimentary fashion. He does a good job, but he's only going to get better. Uh, and they're only going to get better chemistry, those two guys. It was like, you know, Fonzie with me. Yeah. Even though I'm not as big as Bobby, but it was like that. And that Fonzie team worked for you. It brought out a different dimension from you and allowed the crowd to have something else to give you heat over. And, oh, my God, Damn I right. still remember that whistle ringing in my ears. Dude, it was insane. And I, I know while I'm working, I didn't even hear it. it was really? Crazy. I know it's um, I never I've talked about it, man, a lot. I'd never heard the whistle. Like I was so dialed in to the match. I'd hear the people, but I never really listened or cared or get at the end, maybe I'd hear the whistle, but during the match, I didn't give a shit. I didn't even pay. I didn't even know. I'd watch the shows back, watch matches back. I'm like, damn, he's fucking really annoying with that whistle. My wife's like, you didn't hear it? I go, nah, I wasn't even like, nah, I'm working. Like I just in the zone. Paying attention. 
I'm just in the zone, man. I would feel the people and know how to work my match as a people, but you're trained as a wrestler to do that. I'm not trained to listen to a fucking guy blow a whistle. I didn't care about it. You know what I mean? But no, nah, we worked well together. And I, you know, I was I was blessed to be paired up with Fonzie and we we had a good chemistry until him and Van Dam and Sabu, those bastards, turned on me. So um they got me in Philadelphia. So, <laughs> hey, let me ask yes, you real sir. quick. Just, I got to ask you. I don't know if I've ever asked you this. I'm just curious because I was so, as you know, me back then, I was locked in. Was it like in the business? Was it? Was that like a shocking moment when Fonzie turned on me at the end of Bailey? I never asked anyone a question about something that I did, but I have to ask you because you would know. Were people shocked when he turned in on me? In the building? Yeah, I think so. I think people were surprised. I, I you know, But there was no internet, so yeah. no one really. How the only, you know, the only thing that sucked is. Your show, that show was originally supposed to be like March 30th or something, and then it got pushed back. So I think like you ended up, that show ended up behind WrestleMania 13. So Brett and Austin had just done the double turn, and you guys ended up doing it like a week or two later, even though it was a different scenario. So if you guys had done it like the week or two, the original date of the show before it got postponed, um, you guys would have had the double turn before Brett and Austin did in Chicago. But I remember remember thinking like, oh, that's interesting. But I was excited about it because Van Damme hadn't become the talker that he would later become. I knew he would Fonzie would help RVD and they were great together. They were as good together as you and you and Fonzie were. But Sabu, you know, I love Sabu. Sabu was always like one of my that was the reason I first started going to ECW as a fan was the first time I saw you wrestle Sabu. I was like, I got to see that live. I got to go. You know, the first TV, <laughs> yeah, which, sick. you know, we just hit the 25th anniversary of that first TV taping within the last week yep, or so yep. ago. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't even know. Yeah, that. I think October 1st it was, was the 25th anniversary of that, of that match. You and Sabu probably wrestled before, but um, that was the match in ECW. Um, wait, uh, was that when he debuted on the yeah. journey? Was that with, the first time you guys wrestled? Okay. Yeah, because what happened was. I remember when Paul called me and, and said that, you know, I didn't know Paul that well. I knew him from a little bit from IWCCW. And he, got, he was the book. And then he brought, wanted to bring me in right away. And then Savoldi fired him, like, after that TV. I'm like, okay, great. And so he just brought me in, and he just got fired. Because um, he cut a promo on everybody in the office in front of all the boys. It was Not stuck. Paul. He wouldn't so, um, no, Paul stays dude, on the fence so often. Bro, it was unbelievable. It was so funny. So um, but anyway, it was insane. But the thing is, um, I remember we worked, you know, I don't remember how, before, it was probably 1992 at some point, early 93, whenever it was, there was a big indie show before it was called Indie Shows, but, um, you know, in Minneapolis. And it was, and I've told about this a while ago, me and on the show, Candido on the show, Eddie Guerrero on the show. Oh, uh, this was the was Dennis Carluzzo, Eddie Sharkey show, the Grand, NWA Grand Slam. I know right. what this is. That's correct. And it was a, it was a big deal then, as you know, uh, now compared to these shows. Now these independent shows, it, it's, it's small, small potatoes compared to what these guys do now, but it was a big deal back then. And Sabu was on the show. It was, I mean, uh, Sean Waltman was on the show, you know, X-Pac, you know, so there's a bunch of guys on the show. I, I worked with uh, on that, and I did not work with Sabu. I worked with um, I worked with uh, Brad Ryan, oh, wow. and that, yeah, that ended up getting me booked in New Japan because Brad was part of the book with Taiga Hattori and stuff like that for New Japan's. Brad would help uh, hire uh, Gaijings, Americans for Japan for New Japan. So he loved my style, loved my working, my work rate, and I worked the Tasmania gimmick. But I was hitting him with suplexes. Then he started to hit me with it was it was we had fun, and uh, and he was like. Dude was cock strong, man. He was a super strong dude, stronger than you would think, and uh, legit guy. You know, yeah, you know that. I love and, Brad Riggins' work, and it, 
He was the man. Yeah, he had. For those that don't know, he worked at AWA for a long time in Minneapolis and stuff. But he did a lot of booking for New Japan. So I met Sabu at that show, and I I didn't know him, and, I, and he was like, I'm like, this guy's kind of this guy's a unique dude, you know. And and I remember Paul saying, I want you to come in because I was wanting to get booked with this Eastern Championship Wrestling thing. And he's like, listen, I, I got this guy. I'm I'm going to push the shit out of him. Uh, this guy, Sabu, I'm going to put on a gurney. It's going to be like Hannibal Lecter because the movie was very famous then, uh, Silence of the Lambs. And he goes, you know the movie? I go, yeah. He goes, I'm going to put this. I want this I want this guy to wear this fucking thing on his mouth, and he's going to fuck me on a gurney. I'm about this big guy. I was like, cool. I said, so it sounds like I'm not going over. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because back then those that was a big deal. You, you got know, a big entrance. You, you, were, you were probably getting going over. You were getting over. He's like, uh, yeah, no, you're not going to go over. He goes, but listen, if you have a good match with him, you know, I'll take care of you. I'll book you. And I said, I just want to have a good match with him. He, I go, am I going to put time on him? He goes, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I want, I want the thing to go. You know, it's okay, cool. I want because I want you to get fucking real heat on him. I know your style. You could get people to care about him, and you'll beat the fuck out of him. And that's what we need. That's okay. And then when I met Sabu, he was cool as shit backstage. And we just worked out a couple spots, and the rest we kind of winged in the ring, and um, and the rest is history. I got booked forever after that, and everything was great. So there you go. <laughs> that was a uh, that was a, just as much a huge deal for Sabu that was for me. It just I wasn't the one getting the big yeah, push. And, and that was the know? match that the first time I saw it. But you know, by the time the tapes were kind of floating around, I was like, I got to see that. I, I got to go see that live because I had seen Sabu, but it was in Japan with FMW, and I'm, I'm not going to Japan to this day. I've still never been to Japan, yeah. but I would see him do this. Yeah, he was breaking tables. He was the yeah. first. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, well, him. Who else? He, uh, he was FMW. doing it. He, they were. Everyone was breaking tables. I mean, even in Memphis and and Crockett, they would break tables from time That's to time. True. But Sabu was unique That's true. because he was That's doing true. it to quote unquote punish himself for losing after match. Well, he was doing moonsault. For those that don't know, he would after he fucking win, Sabu would take a table with nobody on it and moonsault the table. Like the moon t- table would be in the middle of the ring and he would just shatter the table. To his knees yeah and, and then when he lose he'd do it over and over even after the table is decimated yeah. to the, to kind of punish himself at the behest of the original sheik but you know but yes. getting back to fonzie when they shifted him over to work with sabu i thought that was an even better idea because you know sabu never spoke and i felt like when sabu and Heyman went their separate ways not that the matches weren't still great but i felt like there was uh sort of a loss of the crowd heat you know because paul could be on mm. the apron and go sabu Sabu and yeah. the crowd would kind of follow yeah, yeah. where, you know, if Sabu was doing all his crazy stuff, he wasn't going to play to the crowd. And when when there was somebody that played off the crowd, it yeah. helped with like the heat and the atmosphere for Sabu's matches. So I like the idea of Sabu at Fonzie. And I, I, I obviously I think a lot of people look at Fonzie and Sabu, uh, Fonzie and RVD as that team. But when I still think of Fonzie, I still think of him with the orange shirt and the whistle. And sometimes even I forget he was a referee because he was so good at the role. Yeah, because he. He was a referee and what in WC well and it was NWA yeah, then for probably. Florida he Championship was, Wrestling. Right? Florida Championship yeah. Wrestling, yeah. And yeah, he yeah, Fonzie's just a crazy bastard now. Good Got dude. some great Elegante um, stories, I'll tell you that much. Oh my god. Dude, I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, I, I want to get Mike's opinion on, on Lashley. And I, I don't even want to talk about what happened on Raw. I'm over here, we're talking old ECW stories. It's like I, it's like pales in comparison. It's I, a different I world. It's uh, a totally different world now. Like you were talking about you and Sabu, you kind of winged it. No one gets to wing it anymore. Like that's, that's like if, if you guys had the exact yeah. same situation and you had to go out and wrestle on SmackDown and you had never wrestled each other before, the legend of Sabu and Taz would not exist because you guys would be so worried about <laughs> time right. cues and, and and making sure that you don't overshadow whatever else they have planned. You know that was the beauty of ECW at the time was that 
everybody was just trying to get themselves over. And in doing so, they got the company over. And then once the company was over and you guys were over, you could play with the characters and do all sorts of different things and then get other people who were coming in over and have guest stars come in, like Dr. Death that one time when he came in and wrestled yeah. you and in the tag match with Dreamer and all that. Like they were, you know, they, you know, but it was it, nothing like that will ever happen again, especially because that sort of let's just wing it and you guys can brawl all over the building and break a break a door or whatever if you want to. Whatever we got to do, we had freedom, and I was—I'd never even worked for the company. It was my first day, and I was like, "No, nah, just, just get." That's what I was told: get him over, get yourself yeah. over. And that was and Ray Mysterio. Get Ray Mysterio tells it. the same story in his book. When he showed up, he was like, well, "What are our restrictions?" Paul and Paul told him, "Just have a good match, do whatever you want." And he was like, "Okay, that's fine." It, get over. You know, and that and, and that was yeah. very unique for that time period because certainly WCW and WWF at the time they were not going to give guys that leeway. You know, that, no, that's part no, of one of the things no. that for me as a fan before I became a writer or Mike Johnson or whatever, whatever I'm considered now for me when I was working and I was right out of high school, barely making any money. One of the reasons I kept going back to ECW was if I was paying twenty five dollars to sit in the front row or fifteen dollars to sit in the bleachers, I felt like you guys were giving me like two hundred fifty dollars worth of entertainment in those three hours. And to me, that made me want to come back and support you even more or go buy a T-shirt or go buy a videotape, you know, to me. That was like my New York Yankees. Like people lived and died by the New York Yankees. For me in that time period, I lived and died by ECW. If I had to work and I had to miss an arena show, uh, suddenly there was a death in the family or something happened. I, I broke my hand, like anything, any lie to yeah. get out of working for the post office to go to get to Philadelphia in time. Like it, it was a crazy time well, period I, for me because I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe Rocco Rocks wrestling Sabu and Glenn Olden and I can't go. Like, you know, it sounds ridiculous when you think about it. But in that moment. It was so cool. Every show was important. The fans were, as everybody knows, uh, you know, the fans, that ECW true hardcore fan base was an, ex no pun intended, an extremely gigantic part of the success of what we did out there. And, and because we really did feed off the people and we knew how demanding they were, but yet they were respectful. You know, everybody, you know, talks about how they would chant shit if you you know i mean i remember all the chants but like you know you know you don't sell do a high spot like oh, not just i'm saying i've i've heard them for other guys i've heard a couple myself uh, and you know you don't get mad you kind of, it's like it's they kind of it was motivating and we were in control the audience was in control but at times we we kind of made it seem like you guys were in control but they weren't, and and um, it's part of the give and take of entertainment. That's a lost art today. Um, it's just the, the landscape of the business and the way it's structured. As you know, it's a TV wrestling industry now. Um, but yeah, I didn't realize I said that when I was talking to you just now about Sabu. Like we just you know worked out a couple spots in the finish, and let's just wing the rest. And we just that's what we did. I mean, you just that's how we all learned how to work. You know, you just you know that's how you that's what wrestling was you know it's like you 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 yeah it's it's a deep it's in, a, long in a lot of ways ecw really was like the last grand territory like you know like some people kind of yeah, say I memphis agree. was the last one but ecw even you know if it, it, you know even if you don't look at it like the year or so where it went national 
um, you know, it really was sort of that place where you kind of had your loop where you went, whether it was those towns in Philly and then New York and then Chicago. The Smoky Mountain. Yeah, also Smoky like, Mountain. You know, Jim but like when you think about like guys working yeah. full time and maintaining some semblance of kayfabe when they were in public and kind of learning and growing yeah, from each absolutely. other, you know, that that really was a lot of the ECW mythos too. Like people would see you and big time. There were times, I, you know, I'd see you at the New Jersey uh, rest stop and you'd walk past fans and you were full on Taz. You were, you know, you were not, Hey, how yep. you doing? Coming to show tonight. You were like, Hey brother, how's it going? Just march right past everybody. Yeah. And people would look at you and not just you Raven and Sabu and other guys like, oh, don't want to mess with them. You know, it's, it, you know, the, that, that aura was real for those fans in that moment. Yeah. We were not playing no. wrestler. And, and that's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. We were not trying to get likes on Twitter and retweets. We weren't trying to get over with, with, with people. We weren't with, with, with people in public. We didn't, we didn't care if someone said some shit about us to a dirt sheet. We didn't care if our own boss was bearing us to the dirt sheet. You cared about getting over, kayfabe, keeping in that character, and believe it. Believe it. And it's not just when, you, just when you're in between the ropes. That's a huge part of, I feel, of what happened with a lot of guys who got over during that era and the era before that and stuff. I think it's just it is a tough time for that to happen in this day and age. I just think, especially if you're part of the WWE, you know, brand, it's just it's it's it, look, we, no one can knock what they're doing. The the company's making you know, tons and tons of coin, you know. So how can anybody knock them? You know, so <laughs> you know what I mean. You can't knock them. It's just part of evolution yeah. of the industry. You know, and they're making so, that company's making more money yeah. now than it probably ever has before. So they're doing something right. It's crazy, right? That's good. It's good for wrestling. It's good. I I I I don't work for them. I mean, I don't. I I wish them no. I want everyone to make money. Ring of Honor, TNA, all of these fucking companies. I don't care. You know, whatever the all in thing, whatever that's going to happen. And with uh, uh, Billy and and Lagana with with the NWA stuff they're doing, I want everybody to succeed. I just think it's great for the business. That's how I you know? feel. Uh, Mike, I don't even want to talk here anymore. But there's nothing else to say about Raw. I mean, we just got into a whole different conversation, which was actually better. To be I'm happy to come on anytime you want me to come on. You know that. Kurt Angle was a conquistador. How about that? Now, did you ever did you ever do that little conquistador dance that he did last night, like when you were the Tasmaniac? No, no. Because you kind of bounced around a lot when you had the makeup on, the long hair. I did. I was inspired by the missing link, my friend. That's any kind of jumping I did. It was like Dewey. I was trying to that that part of the Tasmaniac was. I always loved when uh you were you were from the dojos of Tasmania. Dude, I thought of that name myself, and I loved it. People loved it. It was cool. And you shit. know, what? dojos and yeah. And we talk about yep. you know you and Fonzie, but on the independents and IWCCW, you and uh, Boston Bad Boy Tony Rumble were a great tandem as well. I love uh, that. I love that whole team. I miss him. I loved him. He was you know, truth be told, he's the first guy to ever give me a break. It's not Paul Heyman. It was Rumble and and Paul Tony Rumble, and and he he left us you know years ago. Uh, he passed on, but. He really helped me. He believed in me before anyone even knew who the fuck I was. And, and you know, and yeah, and I was from the dojos of Tasmania, and nobody using the word dojos and wrestling then. Fuck. That was what year was that? 91, 92? 91, 91. Yeah, I mean, dojos. Nobody was using that. And, you know, I had explained to people what that was. Like, even the boys. Like, they didn't even know what the you know, I'm like, it's a gym. It's where you wrestlers train or jujitsu or judokas, whatever, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. But Tony Rumble was just, I love my, I glow when I hear his name or someone, I just, you know, he was just such a genuine guy and he never made a ton of money in the business uh, at all. 
but he was ahead of his time. He was smart. A lot of people don't even know who he is. I know that. And he, he know was kind do. of the forefather um, of independent wrestling in Connecticut because he started out a yeah, lot of people right. who later went on to promote and yep. be important figures in that in that sort of area. So, you know, it kind of he was so, kind of like the roots so. of that in Connecticut. He was, man, and and he was from Revere, Mass, and he was a true through and through Boston guy, but ran New England all over and booked for the Savoldis for a long time and uh was just a fucking great guy and a smart guy and a blue collar as blue collar could ever be. And uh God, I love him. I loved him. And he helped me a lot. I used to talk to him on the phone, Mike. I would talk to him, you know, there was no texting, there was no cell phones. I, he would, it was almost like a psychiatry session that he would help me because, like, I wanted to quit the business. You know, like, I just felt like I never was going to make it. I had no confidence. And and he would build me up, you know what I mean? And say, no, you, you know, you're going to. And he would tell me, you got to start talking. You got to start talking. I go, no, no, no. And I didn't talk for years after. I was the Tasmanian for a long time after I knew Tony, you know? And I still didn't talk, but he was like, you got to talk, you got to talk, you know, because he was a pretty good talk. I had that heavy-duty Boston accent, you know. And then Paul Heyman, once I was in ECW, he's the one who really inspired me to talk. He basically forced me to talk. So <laughs> I, I remember the like, first time they did it, it was you were doing commentary. Was the you were doing commentary yeah. on the Guerrero Malenko match. May of 95. No, but there was a time before that, that Pulsations. You remember oh my Pulsations? God, the nightclub, yeah. Yes, well, some call it a nightclub. Well, yeah, it was like, a, well, you know, we're, trying to, we're trying to be PG <laughs> here. <laughs> So, yeah, we would run shows there, as you know, and that was somewhere in, you know, suburbs of uh, Philadelphia, northern Pennsylvania. No, it was probably, yeah, western Pennsylvania, I would think. And um, I don't know where the hell it was, but, and it was in that building. And Paul was, like, managing me or some shit, and I got done wrestling somebody, and then he was cutting a promo. And he told me before the show, because you got to cut a promo. I go, no, I was a Tasmanian. I don't fucking talk. I didn't want to talk. Sabu didn't want to talk. And he's like, I got to get you to talk one day. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, all this shit. And then when he goes in the ring, cuts the promo, I'm right next to him. I'm doing the whole Tasmania gimmick. It's got done working. And he hands me the mic. This is not, not, this wasn't a TV. It's just a house show at this, you know, adult dancing establishment. And I just cursed at him, <laughs> like, because he handed me the mic. It was the worst promo. If you ask Paul, he would say the promo was basically this fuck shit, motherfucker. That was it. That was the promo. Brought to you um, by the Disney Channel. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know i was really mad at him and then he said you have to do this and then he you know he helped me and taught me and then sometime after i started figuring it out you know so he and that kind of led you yeah, to where you are lot. now i would think so well yes because i learned you know how to talk but what really led me to what i'm doing now is, is Vince, but if, but you, if you had him but, but if you had him in the promo that you were they might not have given you the opportunity <laughs> to be the announcer that you were but bro, when I was yes, you're right. But when I went to WWE, if you remember, they didn't let me fucking cut a promo. Oh yeah, forever. that made no sense. I remember that back at the time. At that point, that was the punishment thing. It was just because I wasn't made that. It was so stupid. Like you know, it's like they just wanted me to talk. I was like Vince, please. I went to the writers. That was a fucking useless thing. Like, oh, they have no power Vince. anyway. You know that they're, they're writing. Nah. No matter what anybody says, they're writing for one, a one man audience, and that's Vince. If they if it makes Vince happy, then that's the direction they're gonna go in. I went to Shane. Like, Shane goes, dude, I love the way you talked in ECW. I got to talk to the old man. He always loved ECW, <laughs> you know? Shane. He loved his ECW. <laughs> he did. He did. And I, I went to Vince and I talked to him. He goes, well, what do you want to say? What do you mean you want to talk? I go, Vince, I want to cut a promo. Because he, he, he made it like, well, what are you going to say? What, what do you want to say? Like, <laughs> fuck is that? 
I'm like, I, I'd like to start cutting promos. All right. Well, we'll do it tonight. Uh, right. What match you working? I go, I'm the opening segment on Raw. You know, and this was, I was doing something. I don't know what it was like. A, I don't remember who it was with. And, um, and it was like Heat or, or Jack matches, whatever. I was like, right, after this fucking match, uh, just go cut a three minute promo, you know, whatever it was. He goes, I'll tell Kevin. And we're in the grill position. And, uh, he tells them, audio guy, head Taz uh, Mike 3 there, and, and uh, he's going to cut a promo. Just, Taz, two minutes. I just don't curse and fucking get over do something. Like, All right. I don't remember where it was, and I went and cut a promo about, I don't even remember what it was about. It was just, that's how it was, and this was in 2000. And it was probably, I was in that company probably six, seven months, right? And then uh, I just cut this promo, Doc, and the place popped. I did my catchphrase and everything. I don't remember what it was about. It might have just been about the card, whoever the main event was, and I could destroy both guys. I don't remember the promo. I came to the back, and uh, Vince is like, all right, yeah, we'll get you rolling. No problem. And then after that, I was, that was it. Probably uh, will pop, throw that up. Uh, That's how he put me over. All right, good job. Probably throw good. that up good as a job. WWE Network hidden gem one day. <laughs> I'm sure it. they have it. You know they tape everything. <laughs> they tape the backstage yes, meetings now. I mean, they film everything now. Really? They do, whenever they, they really? whenever they have like the, like the, the meetings with the talent, like they gather everybody, they do like a two camera shoot <laughs> on that with the handhelds. They film everything now. They film all the house shows. They film everything. I think part of it is probably insurance, just so they have it. Like when the talents have surgeries, they go and film that. I think part of it's for insurance, or part of it might be just in case they ever need it for a documentary down the line. Yeah, you might be right. I didn't think of that. I didn't know that. I didn't. I, I heard Scuttlebutt about that, but I didn't know yeah, that like was they, true. They I mean, look, Mike, you got to plug All away right, here. Let's so, go. How long are we going to fucking do this podcast? Are you going to come back come on? You want to come you on? Want, you know that. Two weeks? The fuck? I mean, you know, now I, you got the big fancy $17,000 computer. I mean, geez, I got to send you an invoice. <laughs> so I'll come back on any time. You know that. I'm, I'm always happy. I, plug, I, I always plug, appreciate plug, what you did for me, and I will always come on. People like listening to me. They can check me out every day at pwinsider.com. We do tons of news every day, 24-7, it feels like for me. And we have the Elite section, which you can try for three days free at pwinsiderelite.com. You sign up. You check it out for three days free. We've got tons of audio every day that you can download or you can stream. We have an archive of like over 10,000 audios dating back to 2004. We have all sorts of additional material that goes up just for Elite subscribers. You can check it out three days free. If it's... All right, there. It's not salsa music, Taz. So, am I being played off? I feel like this is the Oscars. So you can check it out at pwinsiderelite.com. Try for three days free, and if you don't like it, you can just cancel, and you don't have to pay anything, or you could just stay on and hang out with us. And We were getting right. nervous because you seemed like you would just I felt like it was the Grammys, and I was being like... played off. I talked too long. So, <laughs> well, that was the right, idea. Well, fine. I mean, and people can follow done? me at Insider on Twitter. All right, I'm done now. All right. Oh <laughs> uh, no no I'm, I'm busting chops here we're, we're just fucking with you mike oh that's always great seriously no, thanks for having me i really appreciate it and uh anytime you need me you know i'm you gotta come back on again real soon you got austin aries now coming on this yeah, week austin right? aries will be on uh this week on the site and a couple of others will be john impact johnny impact taya valkyrie and a couple of others all right cool uh don't hang up i want to talk to you when you're done here mike but look i appreciate you coming on that's mike johnson i am taz we appreciate you guys talk to you soon all right